Hello, welcome into another edition of the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com. My name is Dan Bentlock with you. Blues head into tonight's game against the Calgary Flames, 13-4-5. They got um, some bad news yesterday as Sammy Blay will require wrist surgery. He'll be out 10 weeks. will be reevaluated in 10 weeks. So the Blues are hit with another injury to their top nine. So next man up, which was supposed to be Troy Brower, but his immigration papers are not ready yet. So he was supposed to play today, will not play tonight. But the Blues did sign Brower to a one-way, two-year contract on Wednesday, but unable to go tonight. So that's now three injuries to their top nine. That is a lot to overcome. So we'll see. And the schedule's not getting any easier, that's for sure, over the next week and a half, two weeks. You can even go to a month out as well. So it's not going to get any easier. And I thought that the win against Tampa was a step in the right direction of getting back into the the worker B forecheck type uh, attitude game that Craig Berube is looking for. So Blues Flames tonight from Enterprise Center, Calgary 10, 11, and 3. Blues, of course, beat the Flames uh, a couple of days ago, or not a couple of days ago, a couple weeks ago, um, with David Perron pumping in the game winner in overtime. So Calgary comes in winless in their last five games. Let's get to Jeremy Rutherford, who joined Bernie Nicholas in the Bernie Show, which you can catch every day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 101 ESPN. Here's Jeremy with Bernie. Um, man, but three. This is three core guys now. Uh, when, when is the, when will this catch up to them? In your opinion? Well, you know, you could say that it has with the goal scoring uh, in this stretch since uh, Vladimir Tarasenko went out. I think Alexander Steen, although he's not a big offensive guy, uh, it just compounds it because uh, he's so versatile. But this is a big one. I know this is a guy who's just been in the league a couple of years, Bernie. But we've all seen the development of Sammy Blay. And in training camp, that's the guy that we were talking about, uh, Craig Bruby saying that he really took to heart what the coaches had told him. He came back uh, in great shape and, and was playing well. And you look at him, five goals, eight points in 20 games and the team's best hitter. Uh, I think they're going to feel this one. So in terms of when will it catch up to him, you know, I think it has a little bit. And I think this one's going to add to the challenge uh, for the Blues. You're without three of your top 12 guys to start the season. And now they're plugging in holes, uh, even bringing in Troy Brower last night. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I wanted to add- ask you about that um we all came to appreciate troy brower very very much when he was here with the blues in 2015-16 boy the game winning goal against chicago game seven eight fifteen into the third period um at uh, scott trade center as it was called then it was a huge win they knocked out the defending stanley cup champ blackhawks then he had four goals and four assists in the second round against dallas was huge in that series and uh, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, the Blues as a team just kind of ran out of gas and the goaltending kind of crashed on them in the San Jose series. But he's four years older. So what do you think he has left, Jr.? Any any estimates from the Blues? What kind of buzz are you picking up about how much is still there with Troy Brower? I have that answer for you. I traded oh. a text with Troy, Troy Brower last <laughs> night, and uh, you know he's excited to come in on this one-year uh, $750,000 contract, and he said, I feel unreal. I'm moving very well, and I feel like I still have lots left, so I understand that that's coming from the player, uh, but uh, Bear Jackman said last week on the podcast, in fact, he did a little skate with uh, Troy Brower and said he looked great. He looks thinner. You know, I know when he was here uh, four years ago, a couple years ago, 30 years old, uh, maybe a, a little bigger of a guy and he played in front of the net a lot. Uh, but he did, after he had that situation in Calgary where he goes there, Bernie, on that big contract and, uh, and and gets bought out, he had a thumb injury, and he said he just didn't really recover well from that. Uh, but after he gets bought out, he went to Florida. Last year, 12 goals. I think he had, uh, what is it here, 21 
points in 75 games and uh, looked pretty good. And uh, they wanted to bring him back, but they just had a situation with the cap and some bodies there uh, where it wasn't a good fit. So Troy Brower, to me, he, he looks good for, for what the Blues need. I think he's a good fit in terms of who was out there to get Bernie. Uh, he can come in and help this team. It might just be a third or fourth line guy. It might be a guy who just plays one out of every three games, but I think he can help. Well, we're looking forward to see what he's got left. Well, what what if, uh, if anything, does the Brower signing mean? I mean, of course, obviously, they, one of the reasons they sign him is they lose Blay. They might have signed him anyway. But what does this mean for uh, Clem Costin? That's a great question. I think what's going to have to happen, you have to get Brower in some games and see how he looks. I don't think it should be at the expense of uh, Clint Costin. You know, I think that his first game was really good. It uh, didn't really factor too much into his second game. He's still got to be a part. You know, can he do that on the fourth line? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe you need to get him middle six uh, time. Uh, but I, I think what will happen is uh, Trey Brower will come in and you see what you got, and then they, maybe that will dictate a little bit what happens uh, with a guy uh, like Clem because if Brower can handle it and he's playing well and he's putting up points and Clem's not, then maybe they'll side with the experience and, and put that in the lineup because that's what Doug Armstrong uh, likes about this team is it's still got that window, Bernie, and it's you still have to go out with the intent to win the Stanley Cup again this year and, and not necessarily develop players. So that's why it's on Clem to show that he can help them now. If he can, he'll play. If not, they're going to lean on guys like Troy Brower. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on 101 ESPN. Um, all right, I got it. Now we will have some fun. I got to ask you, though, I'm going to put you on the spot. I forget what year it was uh, that the Blues unveiled their uh, their new uni- new look uniforms at that time, back in the mid-'90s. And, uh, of course, uh, Kelly Chase uh, famously said he, he kind of tempered it a little bit in his public comments, but I remember <laughs> – I remember the day the Blues rolled those uniforms out and he just he just started laughing and growled kind of growled him he says what what you know what they I'm gonna, do I, I don't want to look like Ronald McDonald what the hell is this it's Ronald Mc, what are we, what are we go why are we going with the Ronald McDonald look a lot of people at the time hated those uniforms they're coming back tonight as the throwback and I think it's like anything else that was bad like when I was growing up you know uh, you realize how awful something was but as the years go by how cheesy it was you sort of like it it's got like a retro appeal what do you think did you as a blues fan growing up did you hate those uniforms the Ronald McDonald uniforms did you hate those sweaters no, I didn't mind them, and it helped that uh, they had good teams back then, and you had players like uh, Gretzky and, and Hall and, and McKinnis wear them. So I think, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, the reputation is a little bit mixed. Uh, but I was talking to somebody about this uh, down at Enterprise Center yesterday, Bernie. You got the people who like them, and then the people who don't like them, they still want to see them. Like, they, they still don't mind seeing them. So it's kind of a, a, a weird dislike that some of the people have for them. I think it's going to be great. They're going to wear them uh, three times. I've seen the players practice in them uh, it's going to be a snazzy look and and not just wear these uh, uniforms and it was uh, 95 to 98 i believe bernie that they wore them uh, but uh, jordan bennington tonight is going to be wearing the cujo mask and i talked to him a little bit about that yesterday hoping to get uh, curtis on the phone here soon and hopefully we can get an article up at uh, the athletic uh, but uh, he's going to have that iconic cujo mask that we remember so much in st louis and you know uh, have the pads and everything so it's going to look like curtis Joseph in net tonight for the St. Louis Blues based on uh, what we've seen with his equipment. One of my little sports writing stories, uh, 
you know, Mike Shanahan, Jr., Mike Shanahan was a dear friend of mine, and even though I covered him, but I loved the guy, and, and I got along great with Jack Quinn, too, who was always playing an angle, but they actually gave me a sneak preview before they put those things out just wow. to see what I thought, and I... <laughs> They, they could just see my face, you know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't even. First of all, they wanted me to be honest, and I just said, "I don't understand all this red." I mean, what? Guys, your rivals are the Red Wings. People hate. People in St. Louis hockey fans hate the color red because of the damn Red Wings. I don't get this, guys. I'll be honest with you. I don't get this. And they were like all just like looking at me, like, "Geez, you know." <laughs> so I, and Blackhawks too. I know. That's right. I know exactly. <laughs> What a cool story from Bernie at the end there, sharing his first look at those 90s uh, red and blue and yellow jerseys. Of course, it's 90s night at, at the Enterprise Center, so Blues will be wearing those kind of throwback jerseys. And, of course, Bernie, they also touched on that the injuries are going to catch up to him, and so the depth of this team is certainly going to be tested. And Joey Vitale was on with Stalter and Rivers today to talk about pretty much all that, about the depth being tested and where the Blues can kind of fill in some holes moving forward. But, of course, they started with Troy Brower, who signed that uh, contract yesterday, and that's where they started. And here's Joey's answer about the impact of Troy Brower and his contract on the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it's going to be league minimum. I think it's 750. I'll check my notes again um, at the one way, at the two-way level with NHL salary being that. You know, and, and the thing for me, too, Jamie, you know, I know Sammy Blake, got hurt you know he's gonna be out for t- at least 10 weeks he's got wrist surgeries everyone has probably heard by now and so then you sign Troy Brower right after you know I have to ask Doug Armstrong but I think even if Sammy Blay in my opinion doesn't get hurt I still think they're gonna sign Troy Brower just given uh, the, the 12th 13th and 14th four they have on the roster right now Troy Brower is gonna be I think a perfect kind of veteran uh, fill-in for for Alexander Steen who we know is gonna be out for at least another three weeks uh, depending on those high ankle sprains. And, and we've seen these high ankle sprains. These are the biggest kind of bugaboo injuries, in, in my opinion, in the National Hockey League because they don't seem like much. You hear the word sprain, you think it's nothing. And as soon as you start feeling a little bit better, as we any hockey players out there know, you start getting back on the ice, you get into one little battle in front of the net, and you tweak it again. It's one of those injuries to me, uh, depending on the severity, so many players really it takes a whole summer of just kind of uh, monitoring it and therapying it to kind of get fully back to 100%. So I think given the, the, the injury of Alexander Steen and the fact that, you know, the veteran presence that Doug Armstrong wants to correct in this lineup, I think Troy Brower's a, a shoe-in signing. Right after I saw him again get released a couple days ago, I thought that I think Troy Brower's got a shot. And we saw him at the first skate. It was a morning skate. And they, they hauled it pretty good. I mean, they were out there. Dean McGinn was out there. Troy Brower, I want to say De La Rose was the third forward out there. Robert Bortuzzo was a scratch that night. So they're doing this three-on-three game down low. And it was a pretty pretty good push. It was a good pace. Got to the locker room. And Troy Brower just stood up after a good back skate and was talking to the media. He was smiling. And to me, that just really showcased that he was in great shape. He's taking good care of his body. I think he's thinner now than he was back in 2016. And I think conditioning played a huge role into whether Doug Armstrong was going to sign one of these two guys. And uh, Troy Brower got the nod. I think it's going to be a great addition. Let's take a step back, though, Joey. Uh, let's talk about Sammy Blay, that injury. What will the Blues miss, miss most of all? Well, they're going to miss a heavy player. They're going to miss a guy that can puck possess in the corners and and this is a team that is strictly built around puck possession, holding on to the pucks and, and not forcing anything, keeping the puck on the wall like Pat Maroon does or David Perron does, Ryan O'Reilly does. 
And, and Sammy Blay was probably the best at, you consider the young players in this lineup, the best at for, for puck possessing those pucks. So I think that along with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, he to me was that third really good puck possessor that you couldn't knock him off the wall. He's made some incredibly terrific uh, offensive plays here, especially lately. I'm looking at a player that, you know, had great camps leading up to this year, but eventually kind of fell off when the season started. But this year was different. He came in, and I think he had that attitude where he was tired of going down to the American Hockey League. He had a great camp, and he just continued that in the regular season. I, I see confidence out there. I saw composure from a young Sammy Blay out there, and he looked fearless. He looked fearless getting to the net. Uh, even getting to those grindy kind of areas. So this is going to be a big a big hit. It's going to be a big miss for the St. Louis Blues because of the reasons I just explained right there. And Sammy Blay joined uh, Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron last game to try to get some more 5-on-5 five five chances going. And, and he just adds that predictability factor. You know exactly what he's going to do when he gets the puck. He's going to hold on to it. He's going to chip it the right areas. He's going to be at the right spot at the right time. He's a big body presence to be in front of the net and hold on to puck. So those are all the things you're missing. Everything he does just is basically uh, just catered to Craig Berube style of hockey and his blue style of hockey. So it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a big hole to fill. We talked about the holes with Vladimir Tarasenko, then Alexander Steen. And, and to me, guys, this is a, this is another very, very big hole that the blues have to rally around and try to fill. Yeah, Joey. So look, as I'm looking at this, uh, you know, we talked about Troy Brower and we find out that he's not going tonight. So he's not going to sign and make his debut immediately for the blues, which would obviously put Jacob De La Rose back in the lineup. Now, I don't know the line combos, and you may have this, and you can add it in a second, but does Clem Costin, in your opinion, get a chance to move up the ranks here? And, you know, we've watched a lot of hockey guys, and Sammy Blay, like you talk about, he protects the puck so well, does a great job, he's got great skill. Well, so does Clem Costin. You know, he's a big body. He handles the puck really well. We've both seen him do a bunch of skill work, and this guy's as skilled as they come. Does he get a crack with guys like O'Reilly and Perron? You know, Jamie, it's a good question, and it's kind of one of those things where I was up in the booth watching game two for Clem Costin, and and I kind of had a scratch-my-head moment um, when they put him back on that fourth line after I thought he had a great first game. I thought he was maybe one of the bright spots in that game when they lost to the Ducks, but he drops down to that fourth line, and and I talked about it during the broadcast. I said, you know, Clem Costin, we haven't called his name very much tonight, Curbs, and this is something that a young player has to learn how to, to handle. You're going to be put in different situations. You play your first game roughly 15 minutes. You were a bright spot. You're playing consistently. You're playing you know, easily maybe a mirror image of the role you had down in San Antonio. But now game two, you're dropped on the fourth line. How do you maximize the seven minutes you're going to be out there? Because it's very, very different. It's very hard to get in a rhythm, especially when you don't get out there for stretches of time because of penalties, because of certain situations that Craig Berube is looking for. So for a young player, that is a very difficult situation. But I was surprised to see him on that fourth line. And, and I think that tonight, not given De La Rose back in the lineup, I maybe see De La Rose in that fourth line role. And, and I would expect to see Clem Costin maybe on that third line. That was no morning skate uh, today. But I, I think that you look at the situation where, you know, you got to get some guys up in those top nine minutes. Uh, the problem with adding Clemson at third line is I thought Zach Sanford, Robert Thomas were, were terrific in that game with Oscar Sundquist. I mean, that was a bright spot. So it's almost like he may even leapfrog that third line, and maybe he gets a sniff here tonight with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and David Prawn, which would basically keep the lineup the exact same, except Sammy Blay out, Clem Costin, in and then Della Rose will fill in on that fourth line. I think he's earned the right. I think he's earned the opportunity, certainly based off his first game performance. He's shown Craig Ruby what he can do with top line minutes. 
So uh, it could be an interesting one here tonight. But uh, regardless of how they start, Craig Berube, he's been toying with lines. He's trying to find the chemistry. The good news is right now for the Blues is that first and third line were great. And now the second line has just got to figure out with Sammy Blay being out. Joey Vitale, St. Louis Blues radio analyst here on Stalter and Rivers. Yeah, Joey, so with now the Blues are in a position – that where they have one extra forward up front, and and certainly they got the seventh D that'll be a scratch as well, whoever that might be, uh, based on the fact that we're not sure uh, off morning skate. Um, you know, do do you see a situation here with the Blues go looking down in San Antonio and, and you know give a young guy like Nathan Walker or even Jordan Cairo? I know they want him to knock the rust off and get back to being in game shape, but. Hey, look, at Nathan Walker's got 21 points in 18 games, and Jordan Cairo's got nine points in eight games. These are guys that, you know, maybe they should get a sniff. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, Jamie, to your point there, I think that now if, if Doug has got a little bit more veteran presence in the lineup with uh, Troy Brower, I think you can start going back to the well of the youth. I think you can definitely start going down to San Antonio. The biggest thing for – Doug Armstrong and this entire staff of the Blues uh, for Jordan Cairo was that they just want to make sure conditioning-wise he's, be- he's ready. Uh, look at Robbie Fabry. Robbie Fabry comes in, he has an ACL injury, has another ACL injury. So you can understand how this organization led by Doug Armstrong is, is going to be sensitive and going to be cautious when it comes to these knee injuries. And with Jordan Cairo having that knee injury late last year, he's been out for a long time. They just want to make sure he's completely um, ready to go, all dialed in on all cylinders. He's, he's dealt with the battles. He's dealt with the conditioning. He's done the three and threes. He's done the four and five in four games and five nights on the road, traveling with the bus, getting up late nights, you know, handling that gruesome schedule is going to be important. Once they see that he can handle that, I think Jordan Cairo is going to be one of the first call-ups. I mean, you mentioned the other guy, Nathan Walker, a terrific kid, uh, has a chance to spend some time with them in preseason this year. He's got this Australian accent. He's a great teammate. He's a perfect third, fourth-line guy just to throw in there, insert. He won a cup with Washington. He got in a couple of playoff games there. So he's got some good experience, and he's a great energy guy, great locker room guy. And, and this is a, a team uh, for Nathan Walker that he can step right into and have a role because you, know, you look at Pat Maroon, who's gone, Joel Edmondson, two very vocal guys with the St. Louis Blues that have left this offseason. And now the Blues bench, hearing from some of the players and some of the coaches, it's a quieter bench. So you look at Nathan Walker, that could be a great situation, much like Troy Brower, two energy guys to bring up there, play those bottom six minutes, and hopefully get some energy and hopefully get some momentum like third and fourth lines are supposed to do. Because I agree, I think at some point you do, you will see Jordan Cairo. Nathan Walker, does he deserve it? Absolutely. You know, it's just a different situation where they have so much invested in Jordan Cairo and compare that to, Nathan Walker, who's just a free agent signing over the summer. But you can't deny his points. You can't deny how he's playing. I think he can come up here and do some really good things at the NHL level. Joey, can you imagine that on the bench? G'day, mate. How about some shrimp <laughs> on the lobby? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because I asked him in the preseason. I go, when you chirp guys, do guys just, like, laugh at you? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, mate. It's really hard, it's really hard to chip. <laughs> so they're all out there with my accent. They can't take the seriously. this kind of small and skate away. And you know, he said just like that, and I was just like, if you ever said anything to me, I would just like just be in awe of how I, how badly I would w- I wish I could have that accent. I even said to him, I go, well, at least the good news for you is the chicks probably dig the accent. And then he goes, well, yeah, but I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> at least one chick does. Exactly, exactly. Well, lucky girl, that one. Funny story shared there by Joy Vitali, and then you can catch the. Uh, Stalter and Rivers show every day on 101 ESPN from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. But Joey covered a lot of topics there.
and what are the Blues kind of going to do. But it's, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I think this team could be up for the task, that's for sure. All right, I mentioned that it is 90s night, and Ken Wilson joined the week in hockey with Joey Vitale and Alex Ferrario last night. Going to play that for you now because it's pretty cool to hear Ken Wilson talking with the guys, and I had the privilege of calling him to set up the call to get him on the air, and just I relayed to him that my entire childhood was oh baby. So, and he definitely appreciated that. And I know that he was, uh, he's very appreciative of his time in St. Louis. You could hear this in the interview, but I'll let his words speak for themselves and kind of the joy that he had calling St. Louis Blues game. So here's Ken Wilson, former uh, play-by-play voice for the St. Louis Blues on the television side with Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale from last night's The Week in Hockey. Ken, it is a pleasure to talk to you tonight, sir. How are you? Alex, I couldn't be better. And, uh, I am truly vintage, so I am a good person to talk to, and it's exciting to hear some of those replays. I think for some reason, uh, much of my career has been attached to, here comes Day. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, Ken, uh, I about fangirled when the Blues put together that uh, video package at the preseason where they debuted the vintage jersey that the team will be wearing for three times this season. And, you know, I thought they were just going to pull a Ken Wilson highlight. But the next thing I know, I got Ken Wilson saying Alex Petrangelo's name. It was an incredible promo that the Blues put together. Yeah, I did. I did. They sent me something, a little 30-second clip, and I... I did see that, and of course I'm aware uh, of their marketing program because they had me do a few things, which I was happy to do, and as they say, happy to be remembered. Ken Joe Vitale here. You, you know, I know you don't remember this, but you know, between Blues games in February, you would always, every now and then, announce the Mid States High School Hockey State Championship game, where you did my game freshman year i still have the vhs where you and i believe jack bean called the game we won it seven to nothing in viani so i first of all had to tell you thank you for that and my second thing for you ken is the oh baby i mean where did this whole thing develop uh the question joey much to your surprise i'm sure just kidding uh has been asked a few times (laughs) i used it uh by accident in a few games it wasn't something i did at home or anywhere else and I was never one to want to concoct sayings if you you know know what I'm saying in terms of broadcasting but I said it a few times and my wife said I heard that I heard that old baby that was kind of interesting what do you think and I said I don't want to do it and uh, she said I think you ought to do it once in a while so she gave me the permission I did it a few times and people seemed to like it and it seemed to be a nice exclamation for times when, you know, you were almost uh, where the roof was going to go off, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I think people liked it. Some people complained I used it too often. Others said you don't use it enough. But uh, I don't regret it now looking back. I think it was kind of fun, and it became part of Blues history. Well, plenty of critics out there, Ken, as we all know. You know, Chris Kerber, my play-by-play partner here now on the radio side of things, Ken, you know, he always said one thing about you. He's brought this up three or four times, and he said that he sat down with you once, and I think you guys did a 45-minute interview, and you were talking the game or hockey, and, and you did not throw in one uh or um and throughout the entire interview he said you're the only guy he's ever seen in radio or television who had that ability not to do that i guess my question for you as a broadcaster to a broadcaster how how did you learn to speak so well on the radio and on television mm, um well uh, <laughs> great I you did it joe you're getting rusty <laughs> i don't think that that uh, chris is as accurate as it sounds 
It sounds like one of those Paul Bunyan stories. <laughs> when I hear myself talk to people, if I happen to have to hear it back, I'm always embarrassed by what they call vocalized pauses. Uh, that's what they are. They're, you, have, you pause and you make a sound, so it's a vocalized pause. It's not a wonderful thing to do, but I think I do it quite a bit, as a matter of fact, so I'm a little bit surprised to uh, hear that story. And uh, I don't think there's any secret or any training to be able to speak. Uh, I've never thought I had a very good vocabulary. In fact, I know I don't. People have said, oh, you have such a great vocabulary. I just laugh. (laughs) I I do not have a good vocabulary. I don't use big words on the air. I don't use big words off the air. And when I hear a big word, I have to look it up. So I know that's not true, but uh, I, I take it as a compliment, and uh, I, I deny it, but let's go with it for the time being. Again, we're talking with one of the all-time greats in broadcasting here in St. Louis, Ken Wilson, here on This Week in Hockey, as we're flashing back to the 90s as the Blues put on those 90s jerseys tomorrow night against the Calgary Flames. And, Ken, looking back in your time in St. Louis, you called so many memorable games in the 90s, of course, that uh, Curtis Joseph fight, as you mentioned, the Pierre Turgeon game winner against the Phoenix Coyotes in the playoffs. Do you have a moment from the 90s that sticks out to you as your favorite? You know, I don't really, and, and I, I, it's hard to ever say, do you have a, a favorite game that you broadcast or a favorite broadcast? I just remember the experience. I remember what it was like. I'm not very good at remembering specific games. You know, I remember America West Arena, goal to our right, and a big, big, big playoff game. Obviously, if you go back to the 80s, I remember the Wickenheiser goal mm-hmm. and the Monday Night Miracle. But to get down to specific games, I think I did about 1,600 uh, NHL games. And, uh, you know, I remember the game in the 90s when Mike Keenan was coaching and we had the <laughs> Steve Eiserman shot from just inside the blue line uh, go over John Casey's shoulder and double overtime to end a season uh, when we could have uh, moved on to, I, I, I believe it was the, you know, I don't know, I'm not even sure if it was the finals, but we needed that game obviously game seven and double overtime that's probably one of the games i remember uh, more than any game and uh, that was in the 90s so unfortunately that was a game of disappointment but (laughs) as i like to say better to be there to lose and not to have been there at all yeah ken you know i I think i'm still cleaning up my tears from when that goal (laughs) went past john casey who was actually my favorite goaltender of all time ken the jerseys the fans will revisit tomorrow night at the enterprise center Um, do you remember when they first came out and and maybe you do or you don't but uh, what was it like not only that the jerseys but also seeing wayne gretzky the greatest hockey player of all time wearing a blue note and you calling his name Well, I do remember distinctly when those jerseys were revealed. Um, I think there was mixed reaction, but I don't think there was uh, much negative reaction. I don't think a lot of people were ecstatic. Uh, I remember Jack Quinn was president of the club at that time, and they wanted to do something different. And it made sense. The logic was there. Uh, You know, was it great? Did it catch on? Did everybody love it? you know, I think it's more of a uh-huh, sure, okay. But I do I do remember it and it didn't last didn't last very long. I don't think we wore it but for a few seasons as I recall. 
Ken, of course, uh, Blues making history this past season and you spending so many years covering the St. Louis Blues and calling their games. Uh, what was that like seeing the Blues hoist the Stanley Cup and breaking that uh, long franchise drought? Well, I was thrilled. Uh, I, I was thrilled. I mean, I followed it. I paid attention. I obviously uh, watched the games. Uh, you know, it was it was exciting. And I, I was thrilled. You know, I don't care much about myself. I was there, and, you know, I bleed blue, and I'm a blues guy. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. But, you know, for me, it's for the fans. I mean, you know, gee whiz, that's a long time to go. And when you're a fan, it's so exciting to be involved in something like that. So so I, I really cared about the fans and that they've had that experience. And, you know, I, I realize for the fellows that were there, the fellows that had played, and we had so many great players over the years and front office people and people that, you know, devoted a good part of their life to the organization and the community. I mean, I feel just terrific for all of those people to have had that experience. And, you know, in a sense, I had the experience, too, and I'd never been uh, with a Stanley Cup winner, so I'm going to let a little of it rub off on my elbow. Uh, Having Gretzky there was something special. Uh, Wayne is something special. What what I could never believe about Wayne is he knew everybody. You know, I I had obviously talked to Wayne, and I had when he was with the Oilers and when he was with the Kings, but you know, not extensively by any means. Maybe a you know thirty seconds or a high, and you know, I had no idea, you know, if he had any idea who the world in the world I was. <laughs> Gee whiz! Every time I'd see him, he'd call me by my name. I was almost embarrassed. But he was, uh, you know, always has been a terrific ambassador. And just the fact that he played with the Blues and wore that 90s now vintage jersey uh, is, is exciting. I'm, I'm glad that, that he stopped in St. Louis along his uh, great, great career. Well, Ken, I wish we had a three-hour show so I could continue the conversation. Thank you so much for taking some time out this evening and joining us and uh, talking a little 90s hockey with us. It's always fun to catch up with you, and I can guarantee I'll be doing it again soon. Anytime, Alex. I'm always available, and I hope the fans enjoy seeing those 90s jerseys tomorrow night. It should be a lot of fun. What an absolute privilege it was to have Ken Wilson on. Of course, it is 90s night here tonight, and he is a big part of a lot of people's uh, memories growing up, especially for me. If you grew up in the 90s, late 80s, which is my time frame, uh, that's Ken Wilson, of course, and um, he was synonymous with Blues hockey growing up. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Don't forget Blues and Flames tonight. You can catch it on 101 ESPN. Puck drop at 7, pregame show at 6. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off here on the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com.